Welcome to the Fromer Travel Show. I'm your host, Pauline Fromer. So glad to have you along today. And we are going to be talking about one of the most beautiful, most storied, most fascinating states in the United States, Arizona. To help us with that conversation, or to to do that conversation, really, we have Greg McNamee and Amy Silverman. They are both the authors of our just-released Fromer's Arizona. Hey, guys, welcome to the Fromer Travel Show. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much. Well, it was quite the uh, it was it was a it was a, not a struggle, but it, it was quite the task getting out this book this year because you guys were researching it uh, during COVID. Uh, Greg, I know this was your second edition for us. How much did COVID change or not change the visitor experience in Arizona? Do you think? Um, well, I would say that it, I, I don't know that it's all that much different from any other place, Pauline. Um, one of the things that I experienced out in the field, of course, was that there were were, were very few people uh, waiting tables or checking mm-hmm. people into hotels or working in shops, even though, even though one was allowed to do all those things, you know, people were, right. were just not working. And I, I think that's, we're beginning to come out of it, although there's still a little bit of that lingering. Um, and has that affected hours of, of say, restaurants? Are you finding that places are closed on Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, uh, so it's harder sometimes to find a place to eat in certain places or affecting the seasons of hotels? Uh, in, in, again, in my experience, uh, mostly last year, that was all true. Uh, and some of the lingering after effects uh, here in Tucson, where I live anyway, are, um, yes, indeed, a lot of restaurants close on Mondays or uh, Mondays and Tuesdays sometimes or Sundays and Mondays that never did mm-hmm. before. Um, right. Hours are, uh, you know, you're, you're hard pressed to find a place that's open past 10. Um, and, uh, even though bars are allowed to stay open until two in the morning, quite often they'll close at 10 these days. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. I, it's, it's, uh, there's a labor shortage everywhere. Amy in Phoenix, how, how many restaurants went out of business and, and hotels or, or, or maybe not, you don't have to give me a specific number, but did, did some favorites close and are you seeing new life? Are there, are new restaurants, hotels, and other types of attractions taking their place? So many restaurants closed um, Mm. and others really struggled. I mean, uh, most notably for me would be Chris Bianco's restaurants. Uh, He just won Best Restaurateur uh, in the Beard Awards this this year. And he was was kind of a fascinating um, anthropological study during COVID because, during the height of the pandemic, because even though he's one of the you know most storied chefs in the country, he really, really struggled. And he yeah. had to open and close different venues. Some had to be shuttered completely because they were too small. Others had to be completely reimagined. He was constantly looking for help. And I I don't think that the scene has completely recovered or, or maybe ever will. 
There are certainly really? interesting restaurants here, but but as Greg mentioned, uh, a lot of limited hours, uh, particularly during the summer in Phoenix. You know, all bets are kind of off. Um, sure. Around here, you don't want to come here right now. <laughs> Trust me. Um, <laughs> right. So, well, so we're, we're talking about planning your vacation right. to Arizona for right. the fall months. Exactly. Not, not now. Yeah. <laughs> take a take a beat. Um, you know, I've, a lot of places took the opportunity to, and this isn't unique to Arizona, to do renovations. You know, most notably the, the Arizona Biltmore really did oh. um, a lot of of work, um, and a lot of restaurants too. Um, that got that got money and and were able to take advantage of being closed. Um, one of my favorite dives. It's a pasty shop in Tempe. Um, I walked in and all of a sudden there were you know a dozen chandeliers hanging from the ceiling. <laughs> <laughs> so no longer a dive. It sounds like with all those chandeliers, unless they're divey chandeliers. A chandelier <laughs> dive. Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, I. I think people might be surprised to hear that the beard, uh, a winner, was in Phoenix. What is the Phoenix restaurant scene like? And what is the food that you're known for in Arizona, Amy? Well, I will I will say that I hope Greg gets to chime in on this because there's so much debate, you know, the Phoenix versus Tucson food scene. And, and <laughs> Tucson definitely has a higher profile nationally and at least or a, a beard a beard winner this last year. Um, if Phoenix does not really get super high marks for Mexican food, funny enough, I would definitely huh. go to Tucson for the very best, but you can find it. You know, I've, I've always believed you, everything's here in Phoenix. It's just nothing presents itself very easily. So you can find Mexican food from the tiny town of Globe, which is sort of in between Phoenix and Tucson but not unless someone's going to tell you about it. Um, And you, you know, you can certainly find terrific pizza, which is kind of weird. And due in part to Chris Bianco setting the bar high. Also, there are so many people from Chicago and New York here that you, you see a lot of New York style food and, and Chicago style food. Fascinating. Greg, tell me about Tucson's food scene. I didn't I didn't know it, it was better than Phoenix's. Yeah. I'm embarrassed to say. <laughs> well, uh, I don't tell anyone I told you that. I, <laughs> right. I won't. I, I think we have a very uh, a thriving food scene here. And, and to go back to something that that Amy said, we uh, we also during COVID experienced a lot of closures. But what was interesting to me, kind of keeping track of all that, was that the closures were mostly old timers, people who had been in the restaurant biz for a long, long time, who just took the opportunity essentially to retire. And in their wake have come many younger chefs, I'm talking in their 30s and early 40s, um, who have really revitalized uh, the food scene. Um, huh. uh, there are um, what my favorite Mexican restaurant here in Tucson, and I don't know if you want me to name names, but uh, please, why not? You do in the book, right? Well, absolutely, yes, and it's featured in the book. It's a place called El Torero, uh, the bullfighter, um, owned by a, a man whose family has been in the business for a hundred years, practically, but has a young cousin who's now working in the kitchen. As a as a chef, and excuse me, might even be his son. I'm going to have to confirm that. But whatever the case, fantastic chef who's kind of reimagining Mexican cuisine at a very high level. 
Um, Interesting. And uh, wow. the Mexican food that that we saw that Diana Kennedy was always complaining about was, you know, the, the you know, kind of tasteless tamales with gummy beans. Uh, hmm. And Mexico is a, is a, a, a cuisine as varied as China or Italy. Um, sure. And uh, so, and we have a bit of everything here, and that's what makes um, Tucson particularly exciting, in my view. Um, wow! Is just a, well, the ability to eat all across Mexico within a valley that's thirty miles by thirty miles. Isn't that? I didn't know that. That's exciting. I I'm embarrassed to say I've never been to Tucson. I've been to Phoenix and I've been to many other parts of Arizona, but not Tucson. Let's talk about the marquee attraction. Uh, we got to talk about it: the Grand Canyon. If people are coming to the Grand Canyon this fall, what will what will be different or what's new or how should they approach it? Maybe it isn't new, but it's it's a way that that you that people do it wrong and and they can fix it by X, Y and Z. What would you say, Greg? Um my uh, uh kind of half-formed observation, Pauline, is that People rush to the canyon, they go to the edge, they look in for 15 minutes, and then they get in their car and drive away. Uh, yeah. And, uh, I, and that, that's, it, it's forgivable. It's, you know, it's not a, it's not a, doesn't rank high on the list of sins. Um, but to my mind, they would get a, so, much, so much of a better experience by one coming in on the east side of the canyon. Um, mm. So you drive almost due north of Flagstaff to a little town called Cameron, uh, which has a great Navajo trading post um, with a lot of dead pawn uh, and, uh, <coughs> excuse me, and a good restaurant, and then drive in uh, on a highway that runs just along the rim of the Grand Canyon for, oh, 40 miles, let's say, it goes by a beautiful desert tower that you can climb and look out deep mm. into the canyon and, um, and just to make a little less rush of it. Um, right. And I can yeah. understand because it, it, it can be uh, oppressively crowded at many times of the year there. And, you know, I, I, I don't want to be around that many people quite often, but, <laughs> but, but then I can always walk down into the canyon and, you know, right. leave them behind. Um, and if somebody wants to do the classic overnight at the bottom of the canyon, uh, at that famous lodge whose name is escaping me right now, yeah. how far in advance does that need to be booked? Uh, they're saying for Phantom Ranch now, they're the 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 the, um, the received wisdom right now is uh, at least two years. Two years. Yeah. Holy moly! Wow. Oh boy! So those of us who'd never planned that far in advance are in trouble. Well, <laughs> <laughs> luckily your book is out now. So is that advice advice in the book? Uh, I certainly hope so. Um, uh, <laughs> but this is again, it's all pretty new. You know, the the canyon was essentially closed in lots of ways for COVID, um, and mm. uh, when they revamped, they revamped by severely limiting the number of uh, of uh, permits to go down huh. the canyon. 
Right, right. Is that because they too are having a staffing shortage at the uh, National Park Service, or or were they just getting overloved, or or why, or or I guess maybe so many people put off their vacations and now they've rescheduled and it's pushed everybody into the future. Yeah, I think everybody is just overstretched and overburdened, and people are. Uh, and I don't know if Amy is getting this sense up in Phoenix, but certainly down in southern Arizona, uh, which is not the Grand Canyon, of course, but people are, they're excited to be out now. You know, I mean, you can just, oh, yes. you can just yes. see the look on people's faces, you know, they're, they're, they're glad to be back in a bar or glad to be back in a restaurant or glad to be back in an art gallery. And Amy, how is that playing out? Sorry, in the area. How is that playing out in the areas uh, that you you handled for us? Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, you know, I think last year hot vax summer started, you know, in about March for us, which is wow. appropriate because it gets warmer here earlier. But also, um, you know, they're they're just politically from the top. Uh, leadership wise, there hasn't been a huge emphasis on masks. Um, mm, right. And so I, people have been very eager to get back to what they think of as normal. So a lot of sold out concerts, packed sports arenas, everything's buzzing. You know, it is limited by the labor shortages all over the place. Huh. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and and then another kind of interesting phenomenon where a lot of businesses that survived the worst of the pandemic once they emerged maybe last fall this this started happening a little bit after the um, after our deadlines businesses started closing and longtime businesses like like oh. talking about you know kind of classic spots with people yeah. who run them for a long time and you know I'm sure they got some money to tide them over and then when the money wasn't coming and they just couldn't figure it out anymore and they were exhausted mm. and I think it they just they just stopped doing it so we've lost yeah some real favorites because of that. Oh. Yeah, we did in New York too. Uh, I lost about a third of the restaurants in my book and about uh, the same amount of hotels. It, it was really kind of crushing. Oh. Although like Greg was saying, we have a lot of young people now going and filling that vacuum, which has been exciting actually. So we were talking about the Grand Canyon. Talk about the opposite for the Grand Canyon. Either of you, who, whoever wants to chime in, what are some of the places in Arizona that people don't go to in huge numbers, but should. Um, I am going to just jump in and and say um, the, Arizona has a long mining history, and the mines in almost every place are now closed for economic reasons, but the mining towns remain, and many of them have been resettled by kind of bohemian types and uh uh, you know, artists and the hippies and uh, and you know oddballs and you know and and they're wonderful to go to. So places like uh, Jerome, which I think Amy covered, um, yes, and Bisbee in my part of the world, uh, Ajo also in southern Arizona, uh, which improbably has emerged as a as a really interesting art town. Um, huh. How do you spell that? Uh, A J O. 
Oh, is totally on my to visit list. In fact, I was supposed to go this spring, but we had a COVID scare with our friend group. But there's an arts community there, an arts um, community center that's supposed to be phenomenal. Hmm. Yeah. Wow. But it's it's in the old high school. And basically the town just said, we have this building. Uh, If you're an artist, please apply to us. And for a tiny rent, you can have a classroom as your studio. And wow. so, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, I, I was even offered an office there, but I thought I'm, I'm not going to do that commute. You know, it's two hours, two hours. <laughs> no, but that would be so, that's such a, it's just such a great idea that they did that. And you mentioned Jerome, Greg, um, and I agree, Jerome's an amazing place to visit, but I don't know that I would go right now. There was just a headline, I think last week or the week before that um, there, there's so many tourists there now that the locals have taken to just shouting at them. <laughs> oh no! What are they shouting? Go away! Go yeah. home! Yeah. So maybe skip, maybe skip <laughs> Jerome in favor of Superior, which is another really great mining town. Yes, yeah. Superior is wonderful. One of and the- when you're in a mining town, uh, is it where? What does it look like? Do you have like old buildings with false fronts on them? Uh, do you have? cool restaurants and hotels. I mean, wh- what is it like? What's what's the experience like beyond the artists' communities? Uh, old buildings, but with real fronts on them. Um, <laughs> okay. And, uh, and uh, typically uh, a very deep open pit someplace within sight. Um, mm. You know, that's a, that's a half a mile deep. Um, you look into the bowels of the earth and just to thank your lucky stars, you're up top instead of down below. Uh, well, in yeah. Disney, you can take a tour of the mine yeah. in several of these towns, I believe. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that sounds like fun. Absolutely. And what was the other town you were saying? So not Jerome, but what, Amy? Oh, Superior. And I think Superior was actually Greg's ter- territory. Uh, I, I, I think it was, yeah. And uh, yeah, one of the all-time great, weird Christopher Walken uh, uh, uh supernatural movies was filmed there so you know watch watch the prophecy and then go to superior Um, wow (laughs) i don't know that i knew that that's interesting and creepy (laughs) so for both of you uh amy first i guess if you were telling a friend from out of state uh how to create the perfect itinerary and really see the best of arizona what, what would be day one, day two, day three, day four, very quickly? I mean, you know, just top high end. Doesn't You don't have to give me huge details. Four days. Yeah. Oh, I would or say. Or maybe a week. I would say fly into Phoenix. And if you want the real iconic experience, make the Biltmore your um, home base. But definitely take a day trip to Tucson um, and if you do an overnight stay at the Arizona Inn, because we're obviously splurging here, right? Um, <laughs> Sounds like it. Yeah. And then I would say that you want to make sure that you head north. Um, I'm, I love Flagstaff. Prescott's great, but I, I'm a big Flagstaff fan uh, for the change, change in terrain and 
the weather and um, and the downtown is adorable and fun. For those who don't know Flagstaff, just quickly, what what's what's great about it? What what's the weather and the terrain like? Yeah, it's a tiny college town, and the weather I would say is what Greg maybe um, uh, thirty degrees cooler typically. Oh, wow. Yeah, twenty to thirty degrees cooler. Yeah. Yeah, you get you get quite a bit of elevation gain. So it's the pines. It's not it's not the desert. Mm. Yeah. Pines. Yeah, and a huge uh, uh, and really interesting food scene happening in Flagstaff too. A lot Ooh. of young, a lot of young people. Great bars, great restaurants. Um, it's, huh. it's just a fun place to go. It really is. It's a it's a special little place, and it's nice to, to be in a small college town because we've got two of the I think the nation's largest college towns. Otherwise, um, I would definitely, you know, get to the Grand Canyon and maybe do have a supai. Um, What's a supai? Have a supai open, Greg. Uh, not right now, but they're talking about reopening it. Uh, Havasupai is an Indian, uh, nation that, uh, whose people live in the bottom of the Grand Canyon. Oh. And you take, wow. And you either hike or take a horseback or mule trip down to Supai. And there's a beautiful series of waterfalls down there. Huh. Uh, it, it's really a little uh, enchanted place, but... Um, because of COVID, um, it's still closed. They just closed. Uh, they closed down. A, a lot of places in, in the Navajo Nation did the same thing, and the Hopi Nation did the same thing. But they're all pretty well open now. Right. Right. Wow. Um, so, Greg, since we don't, we're running low, low on time. How do you agree with Amy's uh, itinerary, or would you change one or two things? Oh, I would add a couple of things if there were time. I think that that's exactly right. Uh, uh, Phoenix, there's a tremendous amount to see. I'm not one of those Arizonans that buys into the Phoenix Tucson rivalry. I think both mm-hmm. of you know, there's lots in in both places. I would say that if you had to go just to one place to sort of get your head straight, that you would go on to the Navajo Nation and go to Canyon de Chez. Um, mm. Carl Gustav Jung, you know, the Swiss psychologist, said it was the most beautiful place on earth. Um, mm. And I think he's right, uh, uh, was right about that. Um, beautiful in what way, just briefly? Well, it's a, a sandstone canyon that's been carved out over the action of millions of years of erosion, and uh, it's it's a sacred place to the Navajo people. Uh, there are uh, inside the canyon there are rock spires that kind of rise up from the canyon floor. So you you're up on the rim of the canyon, looking down into a canyon that has a sort of a miniature monument valley happening. Uh, in it it's uh, it is just an extraordinary place uh, and, wow. and i go there as often as i can um and uh um and the navajo people are very warm and accommodating and and just lovely in every way so oh. um so it sounds amazing thank you so well thank you both of you uh you you guys are really great ambassadors for your state and you also are wonderful wonderful authors we are so proud of the job you did on on Fromer's Arizona you really elevated the book so thank you so much for for that work and also for appearing here today on the Fromer Travel Show happy to yeah thank you so much thanks for your generosity
Of course. And thank you all for listening. Uh, We will be back next week. And to those who are traveling, may I wish you a hearty bon voyage.